1: go spread the word when you get a fresh hot McCrispy from mcdonald's and
2: you can feel the heat coming through the bag don't try to wait till you get home always respect hot chicken the McCrispy. only at mcdonald's Ba hello
0: and welcome to how to be fine i'm kristen meinzer
1: and I am Jolenta Greenberg. In each episode of How to Be Fine, we weigh in on what's happening in the world of happiness, health, and betterment, and we offer a bit of advice to those who want it.
0: Now, are we qualified to do all this? We like <laughs> to think so. We've lived by the rules of nearly 100 self-help books for our other podcasts by the book, so we've tried on almost every kind of wellness trend.
1: And besides, we're not here promising to make you the best, richest, most optimal, happiest version of yourself. Like if all goes well, we're just here to help you feel a little closer to fine.
0: Now, first order of business, some of you are here because you subscribe to our show Buy the Book, and you might be wondering, what's going on here? Are Jolenta and Kristen no longer living by self-help books? Will we never hear about self-help again? Rest assured, all the buy the Book episodes are still in this very feed, and we're still going to talk about self-help on this show. But you're also going to hear about a lot more.
1: Here's how it's going to work. In each episode of the show, we'll answer letters from two advice seekers. Sometimes we'll apply what we've learned from self-help books. Sometimes we'll throw what we've learned out the window. Because let's be real, a lot of self-help advice is actually really bad.
0: (laughs) But before we get to our advice, we'll start things off by bringing our self-help knowledge to a buzzy, betterment topic. We're calling the segment, The Hot Topic. In the Hot Topic, one of us will tell the other about a story in the world of wellness that's grabbed our attention. We'll ground it in research, our life experiences, and always bring a critical eye to the conversation. And, Jolenta, you have a juicy one for us today. Mm -hmm. Do tell. I'm dying to know. And, yes, I use the word juicy on purpose.
1: (laughs) True. Because my topic is the all-beef diet.
0: Ah, uh, yes, the all beef diet. <laughs>
1: so, the all beef diet has been in the news recently. It's been in the zeitgeist because there is this TikTok star, Brian Johnson, AKA at Liver King. And this guy, he has 3.8 million followers and he's known for being extremely ripped and eating an all beef diet, including raw, you guessed it, liver. Hence hence the name (laughs) Liver King. This is how we're going to start with dinner. We got liver with breakfast, lunch, and dinner because liver is king. (laughs) He claims that eating this only beef diet has made him super healthy and helped him to look like basically the most jacked Paul Bunyan you could ever imagine. But a few weeks ago, our Liver King was decrowned and outed as a fraud because it turns out it was steroids giving him all those muscles and not the raw beef liver. Uh, Another fitness influencer leaked an email sent by Brian Johnson that outlined his whole intense steroid regimen. And since then, he's had to issue a public apology for lying. Primals, I'm making this video to apologize because I fucked up. Yes, I've done steroids. And yes, I'm on steroids. And on top of that, he was slapped with a $25 million class action lawsuit because, surprise, surprise, his supplements were sold with lies and false promises.
0: Um, wow. So it wasn't just the raw beef liver, which, by the way, gross. Um, so nasty. You so should see nasty. some of his
1: videos of like, here's my <laughs> couple of liver chunks. And you're like, oh, oh no.
0: So, so yeah. not Not really the raw liver making him jacked. No. It was was all of the steroids. Um, Right. Now, I have to say, Jolenta, this is not my first time, though, hearing about the all-beef diet. When I think of the all-beef diet, I think of Jordan Peterson and his daughter, Michaela.
1: Right. So, the all-beef diet was popularized by Jordan Peterson, like you said. And he is this alt-right controversial sort of pop psychologist. And in 2018, he went on the esteemed Joe Rogan podcast (laughs) and began singing the praises of this all-beef diet, saying he eats only beef, salt, and water. And Peterson learned about this diet from his 26-year-old daughter, Michaela. And she's not a medical specialist at all, but in her 20s, she found that through slowly eliminating every food group, that a diet of beef salt and water with allowances for bourbon and vodka according to an interview with the atlantic this diet cured her arthritis which she had to a crippling degree and she then put her dad jordan peterson on the diet and he claims that within weeks his issues with anxiety fatigue and even gum disease disappeared
0: Oh, God. And this, to be clear, is not the same as the carnivore or the keto diet, right, Jolenta?
1: No, no. So the keto diet has sort of become an umbrella term for a high-fat, low-carb diet. In keto, the focus is on protein intake along with lots of greens. Then there's the all-beef diet, which most people would call a carnivore diet. And carnivore diets take keto one step further. With carnivore diet, the goal is zero-carb intake instead of low carbs. So there's more protein, basically no vegetables at all, and some people even cut out dairy products. Oh, and I should mention, too, that keto was originally designed for people with epilepsy, and carnivore eating has been practiced by certain ethnic groups for centuries. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's definitely different. And health experts have weighed in on the all-beef diet, and basically they say it doesn't provide enough nutrients, and it can cause serious issues with your hormones, with digestive function, and even your heart. Like, it's not good for you.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like, based on what you said, Michaela was not Doing this because a doctor prescribed it. She was just eliminating and eliminating and eliminating. No, foods. no.
1: She's like, I'll start with carbs, then sugars, then, you know what, greens. Then basically all that was left was beef. And like, since then, she's been selling the all beef diet as a way to eliminate autoimmune disease, cure chronic pain, cure mood disorders, skin conditions, everything. Meanwhile, her dad, Jordan, has had a lot of serious health problems since going on the diet. Don't know if they're related. And uh, Brian Johnson, our liver king, was forced to admit that the diet like, wasn't what made his body what it was. It was steroids. So this diet is beyond questionable. But Kristen, question for you What do you think of all this? What do you think of the all-beef diet? Have you gone all beef, girl?
0: Oh, God. No, not all beef. And I would be so sad if you made me give up my vegetables and my carbs. Like I literally eat a salad that's two pounds of vegetables every day for lunch because I love salad so much. I eat loads of things that are not beef. (laughs) 99.9% of what I eat is not beef. So
1: you would not handle the all-beef diet very well.
0: No, but you know at one point in my life i would because mm-hmm. as you know when i was um, younger i suffered from extreme disordered eating um, anorexia bulimia i tried every diet in the world you know the cabbage soup diet the oh. you know grapefruit diet i did i did grapefruit, all these yeah. i did all these terrible things to my body when i was younger and i could absolutely see myself at 13 14 or 15 if i came across this diet Being desperate, being self hating, being regimented, which um, Jordan Peterson, by the way, really likes being regimented. He talks about this a lot in his books, in his interviews. He's very frank about the fact that rules, limitations, and being regimented are really his life and that they should be other people's lives. So when I was younger, when I loved those things too, I, I would have totally fallen for this. And I'm not surprised at all that people who follow Peterson who are part of the incel movement and who feel hopeless and self-hating, who are into biohacking. I'm not surprised at all that so many have completely fallen hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, I would have fallen for that too. Look at the other dumb stuff I fell for. Like I was taking like loads of diet pills from like – that, that essentially our speed, for example, at 13. It's like I was falling for all sorts of crap.
1: We were around for fenfen guys.
0: Yes, we were.
1: <laughs> Look it
0: up. Jolenta, what about you? I mean, have you ever gone on this kind of diet or anything resembling it? So
1: I did do a super restrictive sort of version of the keto diet before I got married, strictly to be vain and lose weight. It was called the Ducan Diet.
0: And what is that?
1: It's basically keto, but it's a way to sort of slowly like get to keto. First, you make sort of like oat pancakes every morning. And then eventually you're just having like omelet with beans and kale in it. But you sort of work your way there and there are stages. And there are really fun websites called like Do
0: Can Do It or Do Can It Out. (laughs) Darn it. Now I need to look that up. But no, I don't want to look it up. But
1: don't go on the diet. No. No. And I did lose weight, but. At what cost? Um, the longer I did the diet, I started getting dizzy spells. I had blurred vision. I was losing my hair. It wasn't good for my body, clearly.
0: That's what everybody wants on their wedding day, to have all their hair fall out and to be dizzy. (laughs) To
1: be like, I'm too dizzy. I need to sit down. Um, And when I would break the diet and have like maybe a bite of ice cream on my birthday or something, I would get profoundly sick to my stomach, which I learned is normal after reading about these high protein restrictive diets. Like your body forgets how to break down other kinds of food if you're only giving it one kind. And then your diet digestive system has to freak out and like recalibrate.
0: Yeah, that's your microbiome. Your microbiome that exists in your gut is based on what you eat. Like if you stop eating broccoli because you're on a low carb diet, you no longer have the microbiome that's able to break down broccoli (laughs) or ice cream in your case. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And so I found it worked, but I would never recommend it. And it seemed to wreak havoc on my body. But I can also see the appeal, especially from the point of view of Michaela Peterson with an autoimmune disease and just sort of the desperation of being like nothing is helping this. You try so many different kinds of medications that are supposed to help. It's always so hit or miss. It's so individual with autoimmune diseases. I have one. I have lupus. And I've asked my rheumatologists about diet. And basically all of my doctors that are that are at like nice prominent New York hospitals say diet basically has little to no impact on autoimmune issues, except when you're dealing with like Crohn's disease, which has to do with your digestive tract and celiac disease where you have a gluten allergy certain changes can help maybe a bit with like individual allergies, but there's no like, oh, if you cut out corn, your lupus will go away or your rheumatoid arthritis is half as bad. Like that just it just doesn't work that way. And also based on some articles I read about Michaela, I believe in The Atlantic, we'll have a link in our show notes I even take the same hardcore medication that Michaela was taking, methotrexate. Mm-hmm. And like this medicine sucks. It's used in chemo, it's like half of what makes up chemo. It makes you feel horrible when you take it. My rheumatologist has likened treating an autoimmune disorder. To treating cancer, you blast your immune system with poison to basically shut it down because it's overreactive and hurting healthy systems. And this process is painful and you feel hungover and nauseous and awful all the time. So I can imagine sort of randomly going off this medication regardless of what your diet is doing, would make you feel amazing. So I wonder how Michaela's doing now. I wonder how her going off of methotrexate timed with her doing restrictive eating. Because I could imagine just sort of not taking poison, making you feel great. Like, and not necessarily the all beef.
0: But she is still taking poison in the form of alcohol, which I love. You know I right, love alcohol. Right, right, right. So because you is know so she's allowed bourbon and vodka this. for no reason. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so you can have beef, but also bourbon and vodka.
1: I... Like, when's the last time we made <laughs> vodka from a cow?
0: <laughs> That's my favorite cut of beef. Jolenta is the bourbon. I love that the one. The bourbon
1: cut? Yeah, yeah, it's nice and smoky right <laughs> off the cow. What? Like, cause to me, what this all boils down to is boiled beef. I mean, no, (laughs) what this all boils down to is like all beef is just the latest in like our long line of like cure all fat diets. They're the ones that make you thin, but they're also, I feel like a lot of the times the ones that are going to fix everything, whether it's like eating kale at every meal doing quinoa more, only eating beef. And like, it's a fun mix of like fad diet plus like health as rugged individualism, which is I feel like where liver king lives beautifully. But that sort of crunchy or like rugged zero toxin lifestyle ideology can quickly lead to like anti-vax ideology Mm -hmm. and like alt-right individualism. It's a weird sketchy path to go down and a sketchy path to, like, trust your health, too.
0: <laughs> yeah. And on top of that, doctors just say it's really, 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 really bad for you. Um, well, that Atlantic article you mentioned, Joe Lenta, Jack Gilbert, the faculty director at the University of Chicago's Microbiome Center, he mm. gives long quotes in that article about everything bad that will happen to you if you go on an all-beef diet. So, real respected experts are saying not to do this. So we think it's fascinating to talk about, but all of you out there listening, please don't do this. This is not good for you. Doctors say not to do it. We trust doctors more than we trust um, certain thought leaders like Jordan Peterson or the (laughs) liver king.
1: It's hard to trust a man who calls himself the liver king. But enough of our thoughts on The Liver King. We want to know your thoughts. Tell us what you think at Kristen Angelenta at gmail.com, or you can always weigh in at our Facebook group. That is facebook.com slash groups slash Angelenta.
0: Yeah, we want to know all your feelings on all beef diets. And if you've tried
1: raw liver, I <laughs> want to know what it's like.
0: Coming up, we hear from a letter writer who's afraid she's behind in life. We're back with our first letter of the day. Jolenta, what does our advice seeker have to say?
1: All right. Our letter writer says Dear Kristen Angelenta, this is a bit embarrassing, but I want to be vulnerable. I'm turning 35 this year. I don't have a thing figured out, not a career or stable relationship. Lately, I feel a bit like I'm running out of time. Like, I feel like my baby and marriage clocks are ticking. I clearly know you can never just look for a man, but the struggle is real. So many of my friends are coupled up already. I used to enjoy being single, but I feel a bit lost these days.
0: Help. Oh, letter writer. First and foremost, I want to tell you, 35? That is not running out of time. 35, you've only legally been allowed to rent a car for 10 years now. I mean, come on. You have plenty of time, first and foremost. Second of all, I want to say, if you can, don't compare your insides to other people's outsides. Right. Yes, some of your friends are married. Yes, some of them look like they have their jobs figured out. But that might not be true. That might just look like it to you. That's what it looks like on the outside. You don't know what it feels like on the inside. And then the next thing I want to say is I disagree with you. You can just look for a man. I looked for a man. I found a man on Tinder. I married that man. You can go out and search for a guy.
1: She was in a dating spree. Like, I believe one time she had like four dates in a day. Yes, I did. Like I did. Yeah. She, it was like lunch, after work drinks, dinner after dinner drinks. That's four (laughs) dates.
0: Yeah, I was really into dating. But honestly, I've always been into dating. I've always Mm. loved guys. I've always loved making out with guys. Um, I've always loved getting to know new people. Uh, To me, dating is a blast. And I know not everybody feels that way about dating. A lot of people think dating is the worst. But Um, I went into every potential date thinking, here's an opportunity to meet somebody new and interesting. I didn't go into every date thinking, this is my future husband. Um, But that's part of what made dating fun. And um, the reason I packed in so many dates is because I really did want to meet somebody who... I could be, you know, partnered with. I, I've had a lot of partners in my life, but I was ready to have somebody who maybe would be more of a long haul partner, maybe somebody mm-hmm. for decades or for the rest of my life, you know. And so I went in excited for that possibility and excited just to meet new people and have fun conversations along the way. And um, and and that for me meant you know sign up for all the apps, find out what apps match my personality. Some absolutely did not. Um, go to different events, uh, talk to people. I even opened myself up to being set up on a couple blind dates, which were terrible. They're not my thing. And I learned more about what I'm comfortable with, what I'm not, and then used that to further my dating. I like the idea of somebody who's completely new to my ecosystem coming in. And maybe I'll meet new friends through this person. Who knows? But no, I hate being set up, I realized. But you know, everybody learns something different. Some people realize I like meeting people best through my religious community, or I like meeting people best based on activities. Like I am really into hiking and ping pong. I only want to go out with people who I meet through those activities. Um, you know, there's lots of ways to meet people and there's ways going through the process that I think we all learn more about ourselves and our likes and our dislikes. So I think that's also another reason I loved dating is because I saw it as a way to learn as well.
1: Yeah. Being like, I'm going to learn, I'm going to expose myself to new people and be okay, like, saying goodbye.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and to be okay with the fact that 9 out of 10, or maybe in my case, 199 out of 200 of them just aren't going to be the one I want to marry. That's fine. Yes, I went out with hundreds of people, and that was fun, but they don't all need to be, you know, my future husband. That's fine. Right, right. <laughs> but I like if it. I didn't go out with those 199, would I end up with the one that I have? Probably not, so... Yeah. It's a numbers game too, right? Ha, right, right. You
1: just gotta get your odds together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, I know a lot of growing up for me. We're we're a similar age, you and me, letter writer. A lot of growing up for me has been realizing things feel a lot more unconventional sometimes than they may look. Like, it might look like your friend has it all figured out, but really, it's this really hard balancing act and they're in couples therapy twice a week. Like, Mm -hmm. you never know what's really going on. And I think a lot of people you would say look like they have it figured out or are in, like, perfect, conventional, like, parent-pleasing situations under the surface feel like they're barely doing it or totally unconventional or totally disappointing their parents or totally behind themselves. So yeah, just do not compare yourself to other people's outsides because you have no idea what horrible things are inside.
0: Yeah, that's very, very true. You can look like you're a high-powered attorney on the outside and on the inside every single day, wake up and dread going to work. We don't know. Um, Yeah. But then also, as far as like not having your career figured out, there are so many people who I consider heroes in life who didn't have a career figured out until their 40s, 50s, 60s. Like Julia Child famously, who I just adore, even though I'm not much of a cook, she didn't even take her first cooking class until she was like 40, you know? Mm -hmm. A lot of very famous people didn't get married at all, or when they did get married were over 40, like Marlo Thomas. You know, there's no like right age to have to do certain things. There's not a deadline like, if you don't have your dream career by 35, you'll never have it. No. Yeah. No. A lot of people's dream careers come at, like I said, 50, 60, 70. You never know. I'll, I'll also just add that at least in the generation that we're in right now, most of us were brought up with a different reality than our parents. So maybe our parents, they were all in their career and married by 35. But I remember being told growing up point blank, like, You are a generation that is going to have minimum six careers on average. You are a generation that probably is not going to get married at the same age as boomers who felt like they were used up if they weren't married by 25, right? Right. That they were old maids if they weren't married by the time they were 25. So we're, we're in different times, and I'm grateful for that. I would hate the pressure to feel like I am an old maid at 35 or 25 or any of those ages. Who cares?
1: And if you want like someone to look to that I have found helpful, we read this book for by the book, but I think about it often. It's a book called The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. I feel like she is a great example for how to sort of blaze your own trail, be your own person Have your needs met in perhaps unconventional ways. Be in a couple that's not conventional. Have children in a way that doesn't look like a Norman Rockwell painting, you know, and she also is super relatable because I feel like like you and I let her writer she sometimes feels like she doesn't have shit figured out or she's behind or like she's disappointing people but she's also like this amazing woman to look up to so I feel like it would be a good book for you to check out to help get some of your like spark back about yourself.
0: Yeah. You got lots of time left. But yeah, take that initiative. Don't just sit and wait for that man. Don't just sit and wait for the career to happen. Learn as much as you can. Read Year of Yes, like Jolenta said. Maybe seek some career counseling. Get on some apps. There are so many things you can do. There's plenty of time left, but yeah, take those steps for yourself.
1: And know that your friend's social media is sometimes a lie, so don't compare yourself to it. Exactly. All right. On that note, we're going to take a quick break, but Before we do, we would be so, so grateful to you if you took a quick second to rate and review our podcast in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Rate the second.
0: Just look down, hit
1: review, hit five stars. It'll help people find the show.
0: Coming up, a letter writer is saying goodbye to something pretty unique and not feeling altogether good about it. Stay with us.
1: Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, we are back with our second letter of the day. And Kristen, take it away, please.
0: Yes, our second letter writer says, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, my mom is selling our family home and on quite short notice. While I'm sad to say goodbye to the house I grew up in, I support the decision. I moved out of the house 10 years ago, but my bedroom has stayed the same. My mom has not needed the room, so I've never cleaned it out. Whenever I visited, it was great to still have my room back home. My teenage furniture is still in there, and so are clothes, mementos, etc. for my youth. In a few weeks, my mom wants to get the house ready to put on the market. I am helping her with all the other rooms, but I must admit I feel overwhelmed with the task of cleaning out my old bedroom, especially emotionally. The majority of it will have to be donated or discarded because I don't have any room in my current apartment, and my mom will be downsizing. I realize what a privilege it is that I have been able to keep my bedroom for all these years and that I have such an abundance of possessions, yet I feel shame about not having dealt with it and I'm now dreading the task. Do you have any tips on how to make this process easier? Rationally, I know that I don't need most of what's in the room because I haven't needed it for a decade, and yet I know it will be hard to let go of those mementos, decide what's worth keeping, and how to deal with the rest.
1: Ugh, that is it's hard. It is hard. It's sentimental sometimes and hard sometimes. And uh, I can very much relate to this letter writer. I was in a similar situation around like 10 years after I move out of the house. My parents are like, "Uh, what do you want to do with all this shit you left from high school? Um, Because it's all as is. And it was tough. I was across the country. So I was sort of forced into it in a weird way. And we did it like via pictures. Mm. Um, So I feel like I had it easier than this letter writer who has to physically be doing most of the work. And I did do a bit of this when my mom moved to New York. She came with, like, nine boxes just labeled Jolenta, and a lot of it was schoolwork, and it was like, oh, I'm so good at drawing, but then eventually being like, what the fuck do I do with a box full of these drawings? Like, there's no room. And personally, what I found is having some good music on helps. It can help literally, like, elevate the mood and try to keep things a little lighter and a little less somber, And um, while you go through things, yes, things will tug at your heartstrings and you'll find tons of mementos. Like, I sort of made it a a game to see if I could find... Like a few of the things that meant the most and make sure I kept those. And if those things could be relatively small, it was a bonus. And you'd be surprised how many sort of small little things can either remind you of bigger things or represent bigger things. And how meaningful they can be like taking the knobs off of a dresser instead of the whole dresser that kind of thing being like oh I love these and they remind me of my grandma because it's her dresser but the dresser's kind of a piece of shit let's take off the hardware those sorts of things so try if you can to sort of make it like a treasure hunt of you and your history and hopefully less of a like death march of your stuff
0: I love that advice Jolent I think that's great I mean this is honestly something that I've never had to deal with before I moved so much growing up. I went to 8 plus right. schools. Uh the minute I turned um 18 or 17, I forgot how old I was. I was, you know, a teenager. My mom during one of the moves, she just threw everything of mine away. All my old yearbooks, she threw away old photos accidentally. Um everything was gone. I didn't have any mementos from when I'm growing up. I have almost no baby pictures because of that either. Mm. So This is such an unusual thing for me, the idea of going back to a time capsule room. That's exactly how you left it. But here's a bit of advice that you can take or leave, letter writer. Before you go back home next, just sit and think with yourself, what are things that you would want to bring back home to your apartment now? What are things that are meaningful to you now? Things that you think about, things that you would be devastated if they disappeared. And the reason I'm saying to do it now before you're even back in your old bedroom... Is so you're not so inundated with thousands of objects that make you change your mind. Oh, but I like this. And here's that one note that comes from the class. Oh, and I forgot that's
1: even more meaningful. Yeah. Right. Exactly. If exactly. you forgot it's not more meaningful to you now. It may have been then. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good thing where it's like, oh, I loved that like landline phone and that poster. It's like then grab that. But then when you're in the room, you're like, but the other poster and like this box of toys. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But if it's not something that you look back on fondly now and think about in your adult life 10 years later living in your own apartment, you probably don't need it now.
1: True. That's such a good point.
0: Yeah. And then Jolenta, I'm just going to throw in a tip that you once gave me, which is you can also just take pictures of certain items too. And you can make a scrapbook that just has, here's a photo album of 200 photos of things that were meaningful to me when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Totally. And maybe it's not 200 things. Maybe it's only 20. But you can take photos of those things. You can, you know, still look at those things and um, they won't be forgotten. It's true. A photo
1: really helps. I had a collection of, I don't know, like probably hundreds of Katherine Hepburn books from high school (laughs) because I was cool. And basically, this is part of the move where my parents were taking pictures of stuff, but they took a picture of like the whole spread. And I was like, "Ooh, let's just keep these two like rare books and like that one video, that one VHS tape, because like who doesn't want at least one in their life? Um, (laughs) And then we can recycle and donate the rest. Um, But I also have always kept the photos of that giant spread of all my katherine hepburn shit on the floor and like the photos are enough to warm my heart and remind me of all the work i put into that collection and they are enough to impress other people without having to show them like a whole spread of books i can be like look at what a nerd i was on my phone
0: yeah also i just want to address the shame that the letter writer is talking about here like of not dealing with the sooner I think that shame is not useful here. Shame is only useful when it's like, "Oh no, I murdered somebody. I probably shouldn't have done that."
1: Yeah, then you should feel shame.
0: Or, "Oh no, I I really hurt somebody in some way and I shouldn't have done that." But you don't need to have shame here. You don't need to. And I know me saying it to you probably doesn't get rid of the shame, but I just want to reassure you cuz you should hear it from somebody. You don't right. need to feel ashamed about this.
1: This is a normal thing to put off. Too. <laughs> like everyone's been there in some way shape or form. So like you're not alone.
0: Yeah. I just want to say we've all put off doing things that we probably should have done sooner. All of us have put off things. And as the old adage goes, the best time to do this was 10 years ago. The second best time <laughs> is now. And you're doing it now. You know? yeah. So just remember, being hard on yourself does not make the process easier. And we've all put off things. No need for shame. Just go forth and do it. and <laughs> And go in with the idea that this can be a fun experience, too. You're essentially shopping your past for the things that are most cherishable that you can bring with you into the future. So, yeah, that's a beautiful thing that you get to do.
1: I love that. Just go shop your past. You got this. (laughs) What a nice way to think of it. And that's it for this episode of how to be fine. Be sure to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram. Kristen is at K10Minzer, that's K10 Minzer, and I'm at Gelenta underscore G. We also have a show Instagram, that's how to be fine pod. You can write to us at Kristen and Gelenta at gmail.com, or you can hit us up in our Facebook group facebook.com slash groups slash Kristen Angelenta. And you can always use that email address or Facebook group to send in questions of your own for advice to you
0: until next time. I'm Kristen Meinzer
1: and I'm Jolenta Greenberg.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Fine people.
1: Bye. Oh, uh, Hey primals. Primals! I messed up! (laughs) He's batshit crazy.
0: (laughs) Stitcher.
2: Escape to Ocean City, Maryland and discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling And the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Hear that? It's the call of the crave. And when the crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle.